0: in our confession of the Christian faith through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think the Apostle Paul says it best as what Concord Matters is all about. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That comes from Romans chapter 15, and we seek that same harmony that Paul proclaims by the Holy Spirit, through the study of the clear and concise teachings confessed in the Book of Concord. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, <laughs> District President of the Minnesota North District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for joining us on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. We continue our study of the last chief part of Luther's small catechism, the Sacrament of the Altar. We've established very well from God's word um, last week with Pastor Lynch that the that the body and blood of Christ are under, in with and under, we often will say, the bread and wine. So when you when you, when you receive that bread and wine, it is the body and blood. You don't ask is is what does is mean? No, is means is. Now we get to the next simple question. Like, okay, I get it. There it is. Now the question is: so what? Good question and we'll find out the benefits that happens when you eat this body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So open up your catechism, get out your Bible, and let's start confessing. If you have any questions concerning the, our study of the small catechism, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Joining us in the confession of Christ this morning, we welcome Pastor Timothy Sims of St. John Lutheran Church in Chester, Illinois. Pastor Sims, welcome to Concord Matters. Thank you. Good to be with you. Pastor, you you were on Concord Matters before my time with, with Brother uh, Pastor Sean Smith, but this is our first time together on Concord Matters, so give us a rundown. Who is Pastor Sims, and tell us about your family and your church.
1: Uh, well, I am husband to Carrie. I am father to Joshua, Isaac, and Reagan. And I also have the privilege of being called to serve the people of St. John Lutheran Church and School in Chester, Illinois. Uh, and uh, it's a privilege for all those things. And it's also in all three of those areas, very humbling. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so we have uh, we are really enjoying our time. We're settled in a bit. We're uh, seven and a half years here now. Um, and uh, wow. and we really uh, have come to fall in love with this community and the church. And there's challenges, there's positives and negatives that always come with any church culture or community culture, but uh, we really are loving it here. And uh, I consider it a privilege to be serving here. And as a family, we really are uh, enjoying living in this neck of the woods, so to speak, as well.
0: I love it. And this is a special uh, broadcast for my wife and I, especially for myself, is because we're going to be talking about the benefits of, of of this eating and drinking of the body and blood. And Pastor Sims is and, and his wife, Carrie, are godparents to my son, who tomorrow, today is April Fool's. That was not intentional to have Pastor Sims on with us today. This was not a joke. Um, but tomorrow, we will be having uh, uh, Palm Sunday, our son, Elias, who is uh, Godson to Carrie and Pastor Sims uh, Godparents and so uh, we're going to be able to celebrate that first time we have communion is tomorrow so we're excited and, and thank God for your prayers and your encouragement with that and hopefully I'm gonna make him uh, listen to this and then he'll be even more prepared for tomorrow What do you think Pastor?
1: <laughs> that sounds like a great idea and uh, <laughs> what a wonderful day uh, where he will uh, he will receive for the first time the very body and blood of Christ and all that comes with it. And uh, so that's a beautiful thing, and we praise God with you, and we're happy for Him.
0: Thanks be to God. So to our listeners, we are studying Luther's small catechism. Now, reminder, when we are studying the confessions here on Concord Matters, this is not just some book that we made up a bunch of stuff or that they did in the 16th century. We believe, teach, and confess that it is in accord with God's holy word. That is, that what it says Um, It proclaims exactly what God's word has to say. So when we study Luther's small catechism with explanation, we are saying this is the word of God. And so uh, that's why when we look at this today, we're reminded that we are, this is literally a Bible study. So Luther's small catechism with explanation. This is the 2017 version from CPH. And we are on page 28 of the small catechism with the, excuse me, 29, excuse me page 29, with the question, and I will confess this now, what is the benefit of this eating and drinking? These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, show us that in the sacrament, forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Pastor, this brings up the the question of Okay, it is the true body and blood. So what? How do you want to begin? Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's something I run into actually a lot with confirmation instruction, with our kids, and of course with my uh, young boys as well. We, by the way, will be having a confirmation and reception of first communion that same day. So we'll be rejoicing hey, yo. with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, be a great day. Yeah, indeed. And uh, <clears throat> but. Uh, one of the things that I notice in instructing young people, I think because we so stress as a church, yes, it is Christ's body and blood. Well, one of the questions we ask looking at Luther's examination questions is, do you want to receive the Lord's Supper? And if so, why? And what an answer that I get a lot from them, either written or in engaging in dialogue is, well, because it's Christ's body and blood. And that's kind of how I always respond. I, I'm like, okay, so what? You get Christ's body and blood. What good does that do you? And then they kind of, you know, the wheels start turning and they understand that I'm I'm wanting a little more. Well, you also get his forgiveness. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's the mm. whole point. Um, Jesus promises to give you his very body and blood in, with, and under the word, the bread and the wine. Uh, but he does it for a purpose and the purpose of it is to give you his forgiveness um, and so I think uh, if if you don't understand that or you don't value it it may not be something that's even worthwhile but uh, if you're coming to receive Christ's body and blood and you know what that does for you and to you in giving you forgiveness life and salvation well that kind of changes things uh, a bit because this body and blood really incorporates the entire salvation story of Jesus uh, as he fulfills it uh, and even as he fulfills, frankly, the Passover story. Uh, because the Passover story is still just something that points to a much greater story of deliverance. And so as Jesus celebrates that Passover meal, uh, so many years ago, and institutes his supper, what he's really doing is working to fulfill the ultimate Passover for our sake and connect us to the benefits of him fulfilling uh, the Passover.
0: And that's why the, the, the question is so simple, and it, it really does come down to Luther knew what he was doing when he wrote the small catechism, because he writes it totally with a, with a junior high kid, Involved. So they're like, it's a true body and blood of Christ. See, is means is. I got it. Okay. Yes, it's a true body and blood, right? Okay. Same Jesus on the cross. Yeah, it's there and it's there in the bread and wine. Boom. There it is. No questions asked. All of this. And you could just see that junior high kid on a Wednesday night. And I, I see my own son. He's in eighth grade now. And I could just totally see him. Long day. Now we have to go to confirmation. He's sitting back in his seat, wishing that he was somewhere else. And he goes, So what? Who cares? Yeah. And this is where Luther just brings it completely home. Because I think it separates separates us obviously from other denominations, but it, it separates us to the heart of what it means to be a Christian, which is that forgiveness of sins. So so Pastor, I wanna I want to do this. We we wanna talk about forgiveness this whole time. Can you break us down a little bit? You you talked about Exodus chapter twelve and the Passover. Can you kind of break down the, the, the origins of this and then kind of go into the promises and how maybe it all connects to the rest of scripture?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, of course, God's people are in bondage in Egypt and they're in slavery in Egypt. Uh, but that has an even greater meaning moving forward in the sense that uh, it relates to all humanity being in bondage to sin, death, and the devil. Uh, and they're in bondage there. But God is going to work a way for them to be rescued. That is, out of bondage in Egypt and slavery. So he could have done that any way he pleased. But as the plagues do their work, uh, and yet Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he refuses to let the people go, God, of course, through the Passover, says, listen, your firstborn males are going to be killed. Uh, unless, he says to his people, you sacrifice a lamb and you take the blood of that lamb and you put it on your doorpost. And when you do that, uh, you sacrifice that lamb. Death is going to come by and the angel of death is going to come by. And when he sees that blood, he's going to pass over and you won't die. And he also says, celebrate this meal at the same time. Sacrifice that lamb, eat the lamb, and this is going to be your deliverance. And so then you fast forward that to Jesus celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples on the night before he's crucified, the night in which he's betrayed, as we normally put it, during the service of the sacrament. You have Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, who's going to be killed, and he's instituting this meal where he says, take eat, this is my body, take drink, this is my blood, and then he's going to go on to be killed, and his blood is going to deliver them. His death, suffering, and his blood are going to deliver people from sin and death. So uh, there's a great connection to that Passover story and to that Passover meal. Um, I'm not certainly not going to dig on churches that have done this, um, but sometimes uh, people think it's really neat when they go to uh, a Christian Seder meal where they're kind of trying Mm -hmm. to remember how the old Passover meal was um, and how it relates somehow. I think maybe we need to do a better job of teaching how... The Lord's Supper relates to the uh, Old Testament Passover meal. But frankly, the Lord's Supper is the Christian Seder meal. <laughs> it is mm. that meal mm. which gives us Christ's body and blood and connects us to the sacrificial death of Jesus. And ultimately what that does, as believers in Christ uh, trusting in him, death ultimately Passovers passes over us as we too are rescued from bondage to sin, death, and the devil.
0: And there is a, there's a there's a part of this that you could almost see the disciples, for example, in Matthew 26. And that's a reminder to our listeners that you'll see it in three different accounts, as we mentioned last week, and also in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And And you look at specifically in Matthew 26, that you could almost see the disciples going, yeah, okay, I could see that. You know, this whole time I've been having the Passover. Yeah, that's your body. Yeah, that's your blood. Okay, and problem solved. And they probably would have questioned it. Like, eh, I don't think that's exactly what Moses wanted in this, but okay, I'll keep going. And then he says, for the forgiveness of your sins. Before that, how would they have described the Passover? Any insights on that? Because I think that's a, a huge, I mean, this is where it is. The, the, the Lord's Supper, it's a holy communion, that the new name, the new covenant, if you will. Before that, any insights to what they would have thought the Passover to be, just remembrance, or what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I would say a remembrance, but not just a remembrance, because it was part and parcel uh, to who they were, and who they were as a people, uh, because uh, that was the event in the history of God's people, uh, as he called them, uh, to be the the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, Uh, the Exodus event was the center and focus of their very identity. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. they identified in that meal with God's rescue and the promises that came after, okay, a new life and a promised land. Okay. Mm. And, Uh, And so they did that every year to remember God's deliverance and as an identifier, if you will, who are we? We're the people that God chose and delivered out of Egypt and gave us this land uh, to live in. Uh, And so uh, that would have been a huge thing. However, Jesus does do a new thing or maybe better said, Actually, teaches what the whole purpose of it's going to be as it's fulfilled in Him Mm. regarding forgiveness of sins. Because while it was a very big thing for me as God to deliver you out of bondage to slavery in Egypt, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to deliver (laughs) you and everybody out of bondage to sin. And that's gonna have huge ramifications regarding what that means for life now and into eternity. So you're right. uh, Celebrating the Passover with Jesus was a very key event. And yet there were some things that are brought in there by Jesus that would have been new to them. And yet we of course also know after Jesus rises, he opens their minds to the scriptures to see how this all ties together, right? Mm. And so afterwards, I think the significance of what Jesus does at that Passover meal in connection to what it used to be makes a lot more sense.
0: You have more to say, sorry. No, I'm good. Okay. No, you're good now. All right. All right. Here we go. (laughs) So, you know, as we look at this, it is, it is fascinating to me that you made a you made a very, very good point that if you were to sit down the average Christian, let's just go with Lutheran here, because of the view of what we have of the sacrament, you would say, what's a more significant event? The Passover in from Exodus chapter 12, or when Jesus instituted the Lord's supper, and I think overall, we're all kind of like in the Sunday school mode. You're like, well, the Passover, I mean, millions of people left in one day. Uh, the miracle of, you know, you put that on there and the angel of death passes over. I mean, th- that has huge implications for the whole world. But you you kind of pointed us to this reality, I think, is that the Lord's Supper is given And it not only affects the whole world, you know, that that the whole world um, has been given this gift, but also that it it saves us completely from sin, death, and the power of the devil, or as as our language says here, forgiveness, life, and salvation. So you, you see that language there, and you're like, This is a significant event because it continues on for us today. Any thoughts on that, Pastor?
1: Yeah, and a good way to look at that is, as great as some of those Old Testament events are, they always point to the greatest event in the history of the world, Mm -hmm. and that is Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ dying and rising as God and man to give us forgiveness and eternal life. And the Lord's Supper, as we see in these words from Luther, uh, connect us. To that. When Jesus promises forgiveness of sins, he means forgiveness of sins, just like he meant body and blood. And so when we have that forgiveness, uh, that is the most important thing will ever be given. It's the most important thing God has ever done is having Jesus sacrificed for our sins and taking on that punishment. And this sacrament in eating and drinking connects us to that very body and blood of Jesus that was sacrificed on the cross and gives us what it promises, forgiveness.
0: Now, Pastor, we're going to talk a lot about this, as we mentioned prior. Someone could easily say, so, um, yeah, okay, okay, you're right, uh, that's good. But why would I need it? And why would I need it often for someone to say, why would I need this all the time, what would you tell them?
1: Who boy, you're going to open up a huge uh, can there. Let's, let's <laughs> Good, go ahead and get started on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, because those conversations do take place uh, a lot of times. Um, it, one of the saddest things that I think I, I sometimes witness in talking to people and trying to pastor them, and I don't beat them up for it. I'm very patient and try to be, I try to consider them to be uh, the smoldering wick or the bruised reed uh, in, in this scenario, um, sometimes I'll, I'll be encouraging people to come to church who I know are capable of it. And one of the things I sometimes get uh, is, um, well, I, I guess I just, and, you know, they'll say, well, you know, I do devotions. I read my Bible. Um, uh, or maybe they even, you know, listen to KFUO. Um, But but they don't really see the need to necessarily come to church. And one of the things that I always go to is, well, I'm glad you're in all those things. They have their value. They certainly can be helpful for you growing and learning in your faith. At the same time, there's something offered at the church that you cannot get anywhere else. And that is Christ's body and blood uh, in the Lord's Supper. And I sometimes will get, uh, yeah, I don't. I guess I just don't feel like I need that. And I'm usually my knee-jerk response is, really? Because you know what? I get it three times every weekend. And man, am I glad because I sure do need it. <laughs> uh, I need it very badly uh, because uh, I know what Christ is giving, his body and blood and his forgiveness and things that help strengthen me and my walk of faith uh, as I as I leave the inside of that church for the rest of my day and the rest of my week. Um, and I don't think when people say that, that they don't value what Jesus did on the cross for them. I think it may simply be uh, a couple of things. One, the idea that, well, I know Jesus died for me and he loves me. And because he died for me, he forgives me, and I believe in him, and I'm sorry for my sins, so I know he forgives me. All those things actually uh, are true, and yet what there may be missing is that Jesus desires to connect them to that saving event and give them forgiveness, and has established the Sabbath and has instituted the supper to give them those gifts. Of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Um, the way I sometimes put it is uh, I will simply say, well, Jesus was literally dying to give you the Lord's Supper, and he wants you to have it. And he established uh, this as something that we receive on a regular basis uh, for our benefit. Um, I think the other thing is this. Sometimes we have this... Uh, it's almost—I don't think it's intentional—but it's almost a an anti-sacramental view, even in in some Lutherans, and that is that as long as I am in God's Word, I pray and I look to Jesus and I believe in Him. Um, and uh, you know, I, I can really commune—I'm putting that in quotes with a lowercase C. I can commune with God lots of different places. Um, And I I even want to have a little bit of fun with one of KFUO's taglines, Christ for you anywhere, anytime. (laughs) Hey. You like that? Yeah. What's that? (laughs) You like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I understand where (laughs) KFU is coming from. They're a 24-7 radio station that broadcasts and proclaims the good news of Jesus. Um, And so I know that that's what they mean by that. But sometimes uh, as Christians, we get this idea that I can find Jesus anywhere, anytime, and kind of commune with him in my own way. Pastor, Mm -hmm. I feel more connected with God when I'm out on that boat on a beautiful Sunday morning fishing than I ever do at the communion rail. (laughs) Okay, but there's a problem. God has not promised, Jesus has not promised to attach his grace, mercy, forgiveness, life, and salvation uh, to a bass boat seat. And, uh, you know, sometimes our feelings can deceive us. Nature's beautiful and all kinds of other things that people will maybe, uh, where they think they've communed or connected with God more than they do Uh, say, in the church or with the sacrament. But the problem is Jesus has never promised to be present with his actual real presence of his body and his blood and has never promised to give them forgiveness, life, and salvation in those things. He has promised to be present with his very body and blood hidden miraculously under bread and wine in the Lord's Supper. So if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, take his word for it and come and actually commune with him and your fellow believers the way Jesus instituted it and the way that he promises to be with you to give you his forgiveness.
0: One great quote, I believe, is from Herman Sasa said, if the Lord had told me to find him and to receive forgiveness in grass, I would surely do it. But he doesn't. <laughs> he tells me it's in the bread <laughs> and wine. And you know what? Thanks be to God for that. Pastor, we need to take our break. We are confessing the truth of the sacrament of the altar from God's word in Luther's small catechism. We'll right iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Word tells us about the benefits of Holy Communion, the sacrament of the altar with Pastor Tim Sims of St. John Lutheran Church in Chester, Illinois. Pastor, there is one question that I, I think I know I've heard it asked, but never quite in this way. A question of, okay, all right, you're gonna eat his body, drink his blood. But in parts of scripture, it appears to say, don't consume blood. Um, how do we reconcile that? Are we, are we, maybe even better said, are we denying God's word by taking his body and blood?
1: Well, only if you think following Jesus is denying his word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that, that, you know, along that line, let's be honest, uh, you really only have a good interpretation and application of God's holy word as we have it in the Old Testament as we have it in the walking, talking, crucified, dead, and risen Jesus in the New Testament. Um, And so there are some things that Jesus does with what we have in the Old Testament as the Word made flesh coming teaching and preaching and instituting things that uh, maybe if anyone else said it, we might be like, I'm not sure that would That that that's what that meant. (laughs) I'm not sure you're going in the direction that we should be. In that way, Mm. you know, we believe we cannot, we cannot actually trust and believe in Jesus and what he teaches and gives us without the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I think for those of us, especially who have been believers our whole life, I can't remember never being a believer. It's hard for us to fathom someone not taking Jesus at his word and believing what he says. But I think we maybe should have a little more sympathy, if not empathy, for example, for Jews who just don't get some of the things Jesus says and does. And it's just a scandal to them. We're told that that's how it's going to be. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, no one of the Jewish faith is going to be able to look and say, "Okay." Jesus is teaching, preaching, and fulfilling what I was given in Torah and the prophets and the wisdom writings. By the power of the Holy Spirit, then it becomes clear. There's an epiphany, if we dare use uh, that word. Um, And one of those things regarding the Lord's Supper would be uh, in Leviticus. And that's the establishment of the sacrificial system, which we often... Uh, look at as the precursor to the sacraments which is fine but there in Leviticus 17 God actually does forbid people from eating or drinking the blood of the animals that they kill and he actually gives a reason why he says because the life is in the blood so now when we have uh, Jesus, at the Passover meal in Matthew 26 and other parts of the Gospels, instituting uh, the Lord's Supper, and he actually says, take, drink, this is this cup is the covenant, uh, the New Testament, in my blood, which is shed for you. And we're actually told to drink of Christ's blood, Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, Um, there's one way to look at that would be, wait a second, that's the opposite of what we have in Leviticus 17.
0: Right, right.
1: Or the other way to look at it would be, wait a second, that's exactly what God was talking about in Leviticus 17. And now it's being fulfilled in Jesus. The life is in the blood. Yes, it is in the blood of Jesus. And when you receive it, in faith, with a repentant heart, trusting that his very body and blood are present and he forgives your sins, you are literally receiving the life of Christ hidden under wine in his blood.
0: And it's something that is fascinating when you look at the Old Testament, all the sacrificial laws. Um, I preached recently on Exodus 24, where where Moses literally makes a sacrifice and throws a blood on the people. I mean, it's just covered in blood. And for us in our world today, we we do not we we, we would say yes, blood gives life, but also blood is dangerous. Because if you have exposed blood, you don't know what kind of disease that person has. You have no idea about the, uh, the issues that could arise if you're working in it, which is why EMTs and doctors and everyone have so many precautions in order to not have uh, uh, impurities be passed on to you from blood. And it's interesting to me as we look at this that um, we don't even think about how, one, that this blood is, perfect. So this isn't like you and my my blood. This is perfect blood, which would give us the benefits. It says so clearly, which is the forgiveness of sins. For wherever there is forgiveness of sins, there's also life and salvation. So it really does begin with the blood. What is the blood? And then what are the benefits it gives? Pastor, What how do you want to move for us next? There's a lot we could cover. What do, what do you have for us next?
1: Yeah, there are. Um, you know the one of the things that we maybe struggle with in this is do we actually uh, do we actually believe that that's in there? Um, how does he do it? That's another question for another time. <laughs> um, we're not really told. But there are all these great connections when it comes to Christ's body and his blood, his sacrifice, and how it really fulfills, the old sacrificial system, and how we're actually receiving that in the Lord's Supper. Um, You know, you bring up the whole thing with blood as far as uh, it would be splattered on the people. I'm kind of glad we don't do that anymore. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, amen. amen can you imagine it' um, yeah. be the killer of attendance. I mean, can you imagine I'm not going to that church. <laughs> yeah. <you know?
1: laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and of course, you know and but it's it's one of those things where what it does paint is this picture. I would say that sacrificial system and the Passover itself does point to something very important in our receiving the blood. Of Christ in the sacrament. First of all, in the Passover, it's the blood of of the Lamb that makes death pass over. In Christ's death, the spilling of his blood is going to conquer death, and for those who believe in him, uh, death will also pass over. We have the promise of resurrection to eternal life, and that same sacrificial blood from his cross is what we receive uh and uh, somewhere i'd like to go here in a second is the whole connection between forgiveness and eternal life but so hold on to that thought for a second but mm-hmm. the uh the thing is it's actually uh we're gonna have death pass over us the other thing is this mm. blood does come cleanse according to the sacrificial system you mentioned that that's a very difficult thing for us to think of because blood's to be avoided Uh, you mentioned that rightly so that it's a fallen sinful world but that was also true with those lambs that were being sacrificed back in the old testament Um, but Hmm. god had said you're going to use this blood as a cleansing and as payment for your sins so even on the day of atonement, the day of payment for sin, the priest, and it's interesting because you, when you see artist renderings of this, I rarely see it the way it probably would have looked. The priest is basically splattered with blood before he goes into the Holy of Holies. Because it's that blood that is actually going to cover him and cleanse him to the point that he can be in the presence of God without being in danger. Well, that has very direct connections to the blood of Christ and us being washed and cleansed in the blood of Christ in baptism and us also receiving the very blood of Christ in the Lord's Supper and it cleanses us as well. When it's blood from the sacrifice, that we needed to pay for our sins, it cleanses. It's not a contagion.
0: (laughs) And that's hard to fully understand, because that was part of my sermon as well, is we can understand baptism and the idea of cleansing, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to blood, it is really hard for us to understand, especially, and this is where uh, Pastor Kevin Parviz, who is a uh, a Jewish man who was a Christian, a Jewish Christian. I know him, yes, um, yeah. You know, yeah, great man. And I remember him I just met talk- him, we're not
1: buddies. I, you I know him okay, you're all talking right. And
0: I, I won't mention him um, to you. I won't mention your name <laughs> okay. to him. Then he will not Anyways, remember I guarantee it. But yeah, so Pastor Parviz just talked about how messy those sacrifices would be. But yet the whole time, everyone knew that this was cleansing because it had life. And for us, we know that we are cleansed by this because it does have life, the perfect life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ for you as we look at the benefits of this body and blood. So it's it's something that is so counter, but that's why it's a faith thing, right? This is not a, um, a science thing. This is not something where we prove it with some kind of uh, math equation. It is a, a faith thing that the Lord has given to us as a gift. And I think too often we try to think our ways out of it as opposed to just
1: Take it. Yeah. Receive it and believe
0: it and move on. And and you
1: know, wonderful, you know, in many ways, the entire book of Revelation is a tying of a bow around the word of God. It brings everything Mm -hmm. together in the Mm -hmm. end. And Mm -hmm. and this strange concept of blood cleansing, whether you're talking about uh, the sacrificial system or baptism or the Lord's Supper, for example, Revelation chapter 7 where John is asked the question, who are these in the white robes? And something is said that just sounds absolutely crazy. These are the ones who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. But they're white. They're not red. (laughs) And it really kind of ties everything together. The blood cleanses as we're connected to Jesus in baptism and in the Lord's Supper It is his sacrificial blood that cleanses us and makes us pure in the eyes of our Heavenly Father.
0: I'm thinking about this in a practical nature. Now, when we look at um, taking the Lord's Supper, there's a lot of things that we do, especially as, as confessing Lutherans, that I think reflect this reality of what we receive. Pastor, do you have anything you want to start with uh, uh, with the divine service and how that looks and how we incorporate this because of what we believe? You have any first thoughts on that?
1: Uh well, yeah. I mean, you could even take that and and look at the vestments and all that sort of thing. That kind of ties into that uh, a little bit because as we're receiving the Lord's Supper, as we're also doing confession and absolution in the divine service the way the pastors dress and everything up there in what we call the chancel, that's the altar area, is really designed and put on display to reflect or display as best we can a hidden heavenly reality. Okay, so uh, in baptism we're cleansed and our sins are covered in the righteousness of Christ. In faith, in confession, of our sins and receiving Christ's forgiveness through confession and absolution. Uh, Our Heavenly Father sees us as pure and our unrighteousness is covered up. So the pastor wears black underneath and he's covered in white on the outside. The reality is when it comes to the way our Heavenly Father sees us, everybody there is wearing a white robe. uh, And so this just kind of puts that on display. When we come to the divine service, what we're doing is we're continually receiving those things that make us pure in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. As I mentioned, confession and absolution, the word of long gospel, uh, and uh, the Lord's Supper. And so this is a key part of us, for lack of a better term, coming and getting it because we know what it does to us and for us. It gives us forgiveness. And in the divine service, it's all about Christ forgiving us and serving us with his gifts that give us forgiveness from beginning to end. And, uh, and when we receive that forgiveness, it also, of course, as we confess in this, we haven't touched on this that much, it gives us also life and salvation. What's the connection between getting forgiveness and life and salvation? Well, it's fairly simple actually. What do we learn in Genesis 3? And what do we have summarized for us by Paul in Romans chapter 6? Genesis 3 of course is the fall. Suddenly death enters the picture because Adam and Eve fell into sin. Paul will write later, "The wages of sin is death. But he also continues in Romans 6 verse 23, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ jesus what is it that actually gives us eternal life forgiveness of sins so as jesus works forgiveness of sins on his cross and dies for us it's that forgiveness that actually is going to give us eternal life because sinners die period every single person who's ever lived except for Jesus has died of the same cause. No matter what the death certificate says, we die because we're sinners. And the only way to have that overcome and receive life, new life now, and resurrection to eternal life, is to have Jesus forgive our sins. And that's exactly what he does on his cross, and that's exactly what he gives to us and continues to do for us, As he connects us to his sacrifice on the cross through this blessed sacrament of the altar. And that's why we can boldly believe and confess and rejoice in getting forgiveness of sins from Jesus as we're receiving his very body and blood. And that gives us life and salvation.
0: I'm going to make a connection that I know you made one time, Pastor Sims. Pastor Sims and I served in the same uh, district in South Wisconsin, and when his son Isaac was going to be baptized, one of your neighbors asked you a question. Uh, so you invited them to the baptism and asked you questions. So what's it like at one of these churches? And this neighbor of yours was of the Jewish faith. And, and I remember this, you told me the, how this conversation went. And basically... You described what you wore, which was all black, except the only pure thing that you had on Sunday morning was the word of God you preached, which is why the tab, the white tab is on your voice box. Mm-hmm. And you described the white, uh, the white robe that you wore and all these details just showing all of this forgiveness. You kept bringing up forgiveness and sin and all this. And, and your neighbor said, and once again, he's a Jewish man, seemed like a nice neighbor, um, said, Boy, there's a there's a lot of sinning that goes on in this church, and that's when, that's when you said that's why we have Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why we need Jesus, baby. You know? Exactly, and yep. and and that just points us back to this this need for the sacrament. Now, you speak about uh, the church bell is a dinner bell. What does that mean? <laughs> the church bell
1: is a dinner bell. Um, uh, well, you're coming to be fed. Uh, when you come to church. Um, The divine service is God's word from beginning to end. It's our greatest teacher of the Christian faith. Uh, I often take solace in uh, in the liturgy. I'd like to think I'm a good preacher, but I think most of us think we are. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I also take great solace in if I get up in the pulpit and I just give an absolute stinker of a sermon. The people who came still got law and gospel and the word of God because the liturgy is chucked full of it from beginning to end. They're fed by that word of God. We come and we have confession and absolution. And that feeds us also and gives us forgiveness of sins and strengthens our faith. Um, We have the word of God read, of course. And then, of course, there is the sacrament, and that's ultimately what I meant by the divine service. The, the bells that ring for us to gather for the divine service are dinner bells, um, and I'm gonna I'm going to uh, share a, a rather personal story here with us at Saint John. Uh, I have I mean this overall. We have great elders here. I I've, I've wonderfully faithful men who are very helpful to me as a pastor. They love their church. Uh, they love Jesus, they want things that are good for the mission of Christ, and they also look out for and care for their pastor. And they just do a really good job of that. And so I'm going to lift them up at this point. Um, but I'm also going to share this story. You know, we were a, and I'm not, this is not in any way meant to be a criticism of churches that don't do this. But I'm so glad that it's worked out this way here at St. John. We were a church that, as is often the case, we didn't do the sacrament at every uh, service, we would kind of alternate kind of thing. So sometimes we'd have it, sometimes we wouldn't. And there was a schedule to it. And an interesting thing happened during COVID. Uh, looking back, I'm not sure I would do it the same way. I, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. We were all doing the best we could, but we probably would do things different maybe if we had it to do over again. But Uh, we ended up shutting down for a short period of time. We were still doing private communion, but we shut, uh, shut down the service for a very short period of time and then just did the service of the word and then did private communion. But when we came back to being fully opened again, people came to the elders. The elders came to me and people came to me as well. And they said, you know what? For the first couple months back, why don't we have the Lord's Supper at every divine service? because a lot of people haven't had it in a while, or you never know when this thing might get shut down again or what have you. And I just asked a very simple question of the elders when we discussed it. I said, I'm glad that you and the people of this congregation value what Jesus wants to give you, but I have a question for you. If it's valuable and important enough for us to have it every service for the next couple months, why would we not just do that from now on? And the elders came to the unanimous conclusion that because life is precarious and you never know what's around the corner and temptations and trials and maybe even pestilence and sickness and death could be right around the corner, we should offer the sacrament to people every time those church bells ring. And we made the decision to do that. And so we've been doing that ever since. People don't necessarily need to come up and get it, although we would certainly encourage it. But that's why I say the church bells are a dinner bell. Come have the Lord's Supper. He has gifts. He was literally dying to give you his very body and blood for your forgiveness, life, and salvation. When you hear those bells, supper's on. Come and get
0: it. (laughs) Now, what would you do, Pastor, if someone takes communion uh, they uh, they sing a few hymns like ah, I think I sinned again, and they come right back up. Have you ever had that happen before? <laughs> uh,
1: no, I have not uh, had that happen. Um, but uh, but boy, if we if we're all really honest, because of our the way our minds can go at a hundred miles an hour, uh, even if we don't manage to sin uh, in word or deed before we leave the church building, we probably do. <laughs> Um, and that's one of the reasons why we need the strength that the sacrament offers uh, to help Pastor, us the... continue throughout those moments and throughout the rest of the week.
0: Amen, Pastor. There's a lot of history with this, even to the early church, and you particularly like the study of what we call patristics. What do you What do you, what do you want to tell us about maybe some of the history of the the benefits of the Lord's Supper?
1: Yeah, it's pretty clear in, in the early church. A couple of things are very clear. Well, first of all, let's go to the. It's always better to start with Scripture, and then we'll go to that. The Gospels. Sure. Jesus invites and says, "Take, eat." He even implies some frequency when he says, "As often as you you do this," you know. Um, and then, and we see what we see in the New Testament church, uh, in the Book of Acts, for example, in Acts two forty two, right after the Pentecost event, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Uh, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. That's a description of a divine service. And the breaking of the bread is a phrase used for the Lord's Supper. They were doing it weekly. We see that throughout the rest of the book of Acts and the writings of Paul too. It was it, They went hand in hand. When you gathered as Christians every week, you had the Lord's Supper. And we see that pattern continue uh, in the early church as well as the belief that Christ's body and blood are present and, uh, and give us forgiveness, life, and salvation. One of the earliest descriptions after the Bible, actually the earliest description we have in writing of a Christian worship service is from a guy by the name of Justin Martyr around the year 150 AD, and he describes the typical weekly Christian worship service. And the Lord's Supper is included in that service. So it's very clear that uh, in the New Testament church and those who were trained by the apostles that continued to pastor afterwards, uh, the Lord's Supper was a key component every week uh, when they uh, gathered for worship. And one of the things that's nice, you know, I am kind of a patristics nerd um, but one of the reasons why I value but is isn't because it's on par with Scripture. But what it does is it kind of gives you a glimpse into the window of what was going on in the earliest church. And so what we see when we look through that window with the writings of the early church fathers is that, A, they believed in the presence of Christ's body and blood and his forgiveness, and they were celebrating it and receiving it every week when they gathered uh, for worship.
0: Pastor, as we I always want to break it down this way because of my simple mind. Is someone comes to worship, they've been instructed, they they confess to the confession of that congregation, they receive the body and blood. And and let's say that they 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 leave and someone said, What what happened there? You know, what, what just happened when you went to church? Or or maybe they saw them go up to the to take communion and say, Well, what just happened there? What, what do you think would be a good answer as we confess today from the small catechism? What would be a good answer for that person to tell their neighbors or friends or other people?
1: I would simply say uh, we believe Jesus Christ died and rose for us to give us forgiveness and eternal life. And Jesus also gives us certain things to continue, to help us continue in that forgiveness and assure us of that eternal life. And one of those things is the Lord's Supper. So when I went up there to get that Lord's Supper, it might not have looked like much. It might have been a little piece of bread uh, that was barely a bite and a tiny little sip of wine. But what we believe was actually happening is Jesus was actually giving us in a hidden, miraculous way that we can't explain His very body and blood, and in doing so, we receive His forgiveness and the promise of eternal
0: life. There was once a young person at my fieldwork church in St. Louis that someone asked one of the young people there. He he came here by himself. He had cousins and brothers and sisters and everything at the church. And someone asked him, "What's going on up there? Right in the middle of communion, and they're singing songs and..." And they asked him, "What's going on up there?" And he said it, and this sums it up beautifully. As long as we know the context of what the catechism teaches, he says, um, like, what, "What's going on up there at the communion rail?" And he goes, "That's where God helps people." <laughs> and you just you just think about how how full that is when you understand it even more. Yeah, that's that's where God goes and helps. People. exactly so so pastor we have about a minute left in our time how would you summarize our time and encourage our listeners in Christ and in concerns with in concerning the Lord's Supper?
1: Well we'll summarize it this way Christ was literally dying uh, to give you his gifts and he wants you to have his very body and blood so that in repentant faith when you come and receive it you uh, receive forgiveness life and salvation so put it on the calendar. Plan on coming to worship. When you hear that bell ring at the church, know that it's a dinner bell and it's a saving meal in which Christ comes to you in his very body and blood, communes with you and your other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and in that body and blood gives you forgiveness, life, and salvation. Come and get it.
0: Pastor Tim Sims of St. John Lutheran Church in Chester, Illinois, clearly confessing the truth of the sacrament of the altar and its benefits for you. Pastor Sims, thank you for your faithful teaching here on Concord Matters.
1: Good to be with you. Thank you, brother.
0: I would encourage all of our listeners as this is about to begin Holy Week. As I mentioned, my son will be confirming his faith tomorrow and the first time receiving the body and blood of Christ, but I would encourage you to do the same. Go to worship, receive his gifts. Holy Thursday, this Thursday, to receive the body and blood there. And obviously on Easter morning, not only celebrating the resurrection of our Lord, but the gifts and the benefits he continues to give. My encouragement, the dinner bell is ready. As Pastor said, come and get it. I'm your host, Brady. Pastor Brady Fenner, thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe.